Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. This is so welcome everyone to the 22nd water cooler conversation. Uh, today we have Janil Aga, a very very uh, you know a very very dear friend. Uh, regular here at the at the uh, in the in the builders club and he i have been a fan of his work very frankly so janil is the co-founder and ceo of planet superheroes which is india's leading omni channel d2c brand dedicated to licensing character merchandise they were the first ones if i if i'm not wrong and correct me here if, if you know my knowledge of my this thing is wrong janil that you people were the first ones to actually come up with a dedicated website which basically sold uh, you know uh, sold us uh, sold us merchandise of you know right from superman batman to all the marvel and dc characters in addition to their own okay. website in addition to their own website planet superhero hero has 20 plus retail store across 10 plus states in india and is backed by marquee investors like tsg consumer partners at fund rb investments and and a few more before the entrepreneurial plunge janil was working in private equity and strategy consulting and you know the story of planet superheroes has been very very well documented as well it has even been mentioned in a few books like funding your startup another nightmares by by dhruv nath and sushant mitra so welcome janil to to the water cooler conversation long time pending but welcome here man thanks a lot guys uh, glad to be here so janil uh, you know i have kind of tried to encapsulate the you know whatever time that uh, you know whatever journey that you have had and today's topic of the discussion is startups you know startup you know fuck ups which startups make or rather you know startup fuck ups which nobody talks about and i'm i'm sure that you know you yourself have been running this company for almost you know close to 6 to 7 years now and there have been quite a few learnings uh, in in the way we'll come to that but i think you know why why not we why don't we start a little bit from you know your own background and how exactly did you come up with this idea and how do you people went about it sure so you know the germination of this concept was back in 2013 right and 2013 was uh, kind of the the time zone i would say after 2011 i think it's the story of uh, the flipkarts and the e-commerce portal started really heating up and um, you know we were uh, pretty early on to sort of uh, have identified that uh, you know there will be a play for vertical uh, e-commerce uh, at that point and uh, you know one thing that we wanted to do to differentiate uh, ourselves from let's say more uh, more horizontal plays was to be able to uh, pick up a niche and then uh, go all out for a specific community now interestingly what happened was uh, at that point uh, is that uh, you know there was a lot of buzz happening with uh, the production houses globally 
you know i mean i don't know how many of you know but marvel was actually a, a bankrupt company before mm-hmm. disney uh, bought it out and picked up the repository of its characters right um it, many would also know that a uh, very interesting uh, tidbit i want to share with you is uh, george lucas the founder of star wars right mm. he was also in in deep uh, financial troubles he was in perils and when he sold lucas films to disney he kept one caveat he said he will have the disproportionate share of the merchandise sales of star wars mm. he was so confident about the fact that if this becomes a cult uh you know the merchandise sales will continue far beyond uh the length or the life of the actual production uh, what i mean my production is the box office revenues and amazingly how true was he i mean uh, i still remember that in 2014 15 when we were you know i remember those slides from our investor decks right uh star wars still continued at least globally uh, you know to be the number one uh, sort of uh, royalty earner uh, as as an entire franchise and i'm sure many of you guys are young but uh, for the ones who are uh, you know probably 30 plus uh, we all know how crazy people have been about star wars and everything uh, in that generation right uh, which which went through all the series etc so i think that was uh, you know an interesting moment when uh, we were looking at a lot of interesting uh, developments in the production of the entertainment world uh, uh, across the globe and we realized that somebody in india right had no option like we really normally depended on our you know chacha and and cousins and you know uh, favorite aunts uh, who would kind of get this stuff from us from the us or uh you know from singapore or from dubai or wherever right mm. and that's when it embarked upon us that we want to have a vertical e-commerce play but we want to do something uh that you know was quite well known globally and which is just kind of picking up uh pace in india mm. so uh, for the with, i mean as any other startup entrepreneur you know it was an experiment it was a hypothesis so we mm. actually started off putting together a very scrappy shopify website uh, i mean people know about shopify today because of where it is but you know we we started off on shopify back in 2014 actually mm. uh, and you know we had a small warehouse in andheri office was and the mezzanine floor was the warehouse and um, just experimented uh, imported a few products put some capital on the line to just see if there was uh, you know any customer traction happening mm. and uh, of course at that point uh, a lot of people i'm not saying that we would we were the only ones who were selling this in india i think we were the only ones selling it the way it should have been sold which is by paying royalties to the licensors by not having a single fake product on our website you know mm. so the whole point was we wanted to differentiate by being uh, giving that kind of trust factor to our customers that when they come and buy from us uh, they are uh, you know going to get only the original authentic stuff and also for which due royalties were being paid to the production houses right who, who were the licensors in this case mm-hmm. so that's how planet superhero started off um it was an experiment and it kind of got traction it got decent enough traction in the early years uh to actually be able to also uh you know get in uh, to attract investors who have seen some of these uh, concepts scale uh, globally and uh, you know as the journey progressed and of course we will get into those segues in this conversation i'm assuming uh there were obviously a lot of fuck ups right and a lot of things went wrong uh you know a lot of di- market dynamics changed or not so uh so i mean we'll discuss about that but uh, the journey over the last 6 uh, years now the 7th year going 
uh, we are uh, we actually moved from just being an online Shopify website uh, to actually uh, being fully omni-channel, having uh, stores across India, being able to do. Uh, we are also on marketplaces. We also have our own offline distribution, uh, right? And uh, earlier, what we started off is pure retailing, which is how a lot of e-commerce players uh, start off testing the hypothesis on the product category. We also vertically integrated backwards into co-manufacturing uh, and and you know the co-licensing in terms of uh, product innovation. So we were just not then buying and selling, uh, but we were also getting into product conceptualizations, etc. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we, you know, that's sort of been the the you know the overall broad uh, broad journey where we are today. Mm-hmm. So currently, uh, what are the what are the numbers like? As in, how how much is the volume that you're doing, and how's the revenue like? And this has been what six years now, right? Six to seven years. It's been seven years. Uh, I mean, it's been six years. Yes, six and a half years. Uh, in terms of you know, we ship out around hundred orders a day. Uh, you know, which is which is you know, I would say it's not that big uh, when you look at the number of of larger e-com players, and that is part of you know what we'll discuss on the problems. But we used to do pretty good business offline uh, with our stores, and in fact, one of the reasons why we did uh, the whole offline expansion on our last fundraise was we felt the strong need of the Indian consumer in this category. Uh, to be able to touch and feel the product, and also because it's a very impulse first category. You know, you go on Amazon if you want pet food. You don't need to once you know your brand. You don't really care about going into a pet store. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some X Y Z things. You kind of pick it up. Our product was a lot about impulse. It was a lot mm-hmm. about uh, oh man, this is so cool. It was a collectible. Yeah, it was yeah. a keychain. People are not really going to be searching for it necessarily, but if you were window shopping in a mall and you and, and you chanced upon one of these things uh, on the on the window, on the mm-hmm. you you're going to basically get attracted and drawn in. In mm-hmm. fact, one interesting point I would add is, despite being a very small company, right? I mean, a startup in all respect, it is amazing on the kind of interest that we would get from the biggest and markiest mall operators. Everybody from Phoenix to Nexus to you know to Garuda to uh, you know in, in down south to you know the Lulu Mall, uh, mm-hmm. everybody right, every big mall operator in India has approached us. And of course, we do have stores in a lot of these places, uh, and many of them we decided not to go as well. But uh, it's very different, you know. You usually don't see that unless you are what we call in the retail business a category filler. So when they saw that there is a lot of interaction and engagement, even for from a mall's perspective, they would invite us and give us some really good uh, locations which had very high visibility. Mm. So yeah, that was sort of the uh, you know uh, overall uh, business growth. And yeah, we were before COVID, we were we were at the run rate of running almost uh, you know one and a half store per month. Uh, that is what we are acquired. And had COVID not hit, we would have been at fifty uh, fifty odd stores today. Uh, and you know that is, uh, I mean, it is what it is. It's one of the fuck-ups that we don't control, uh, of course. But uh, it is, uh, you know, we were we were on that trajectory. Very nice, yeah, very nice. Cool. So I guess you know we can probably now let's you know start start moving towards the towards the topics that that we we really want to talk about, which is basically the fuck-ups, which usually uh, you know startups make. And I guess you know we can. We can probably start off with you know let's let's break it into stages. Let's go from the zero to one, one to ten, and the current current scenario and where exactly what exactly 
were you were you you know what the problems which were faced so let's start off with the initial stages so of course you know you were probably testing the testing the product out you also were the first time founder uh, with with planet superheroes and of course you know a lot of things you probably didn't know that the market worked like this and that so in the initial phases the traction bit and of course you people also fundraised if i understand correctly so let's start off with right. this topic that let's let's look at the traction and the fundraising the zero to one bit if i may say so where exactly what exactly were the were the way you went about it and what exactly were the roadblocks roadblocks which you which you faced in, in that bit so so uh, i'll tell you about uh, you know the, the 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 most important part while we were starting up after we had hit initial traction and this initial traction was you know we were doing roughly uh, you know a crore uh, 1.2 crores uh, uh, you know per uh, per annum uh, which that was sort of the uh, you know run rate we were at and we thought that you know this is going to be a business which is going to require significant capital uh, when i say significant not out of the world capital but enough capital because interestingly the licensing business is is very uh, cash flow heavy because you actually end up paying for licenses up front mm-hmm. and after that you invest into the product right which is the inventory after that you sell and that's when you con- complete the cash flow cycle so from a cash flow perspective i think the first lesson and as i speak on this conversation i will keep telling us i will keep tagging things as fuck up not in our control that came from external or fuck up from our control right you know that 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 other uh, founders on this call etc can kind of you know be uh, can kind of take cognizance of uh, in their own journey right i think i think the very fact that uh, we were entering into a business which uh, you know had a lopsided cash flow kind of a cycle right where you actually had to invest a lot of money up front to just secure the license because we pay something called minimum guarantees right uh, that itself is a, a you know i would say a pretty big disadvantage of these kind of businesses so uh, unless these licenses are exclusive uh, you know you should uh, you should kind of be wary and uh, i'm talking about of course we could have comparisons or comparables across industries but anything which requires you to pay a lot of money up front and whose monetization is yeah. only going to happen over time uh, which is not an ip that you necessarily control forever uh, is is something that you need to really think about the business model because you know this is not the same as putting money into technology in a saas business because in a saas business if you get the product market fit over time your incremental cost for that incremental revenue is negligible right i mean i'm sure one can argue there is a cost of sales in terms of marketing and keeping the product alive etc but think about it that in our business all those costs were always still going to be there yeah. but every time you sold a t-shirt you also had to make a t-shirt right in addition to those licenses so i think one of the key learnings that we figured out and you know that's a that's a messaging is be very very clear about uh, sort of your own cash flow business uh or of course if you have lucky or if you are able to convince investors uh to park it's a it makes sense right because then that automatically also becomes a moat in the business because uh if it requires a capital funding and not everybody can acquire those licenses then that itself also becomes your moat so we kind of took that approach saying that uh, you know uh, not everybody is going to be able to procure a license because it's expensive and uh, let's raise funds for that we are a new con- differentiated concept and we were successful in doing that but now let's come to the interesting part right on the on on the screw ups that happened during the fund raising journey itself which i'm sure a lot of people out here uh, you know are either experienced or you know are looking to fund raise 
uh, I think experiencing right the first i think i think the first uh, learnings you know when our fund fundraising journey was uh, i learned about this concept of mib okay and it does not mean men in black it means money in the bank okay and despite you know being somebody who came from an equity uh, you know private equity background uh, you know of course that was a very different scale because we used to write checks only 50 million plus and not in startups yeah. i think my first learning of what is going to be ahead came when we got fucked over by investors itself and uh, let me let me uh, be categorically these are not a current investors these are the investors who didn't didn't come on board So there's a little small story on this, uh, and I will not name them because that's not the purpose. Yeah. But this is an investor whose company I'm sure each and every person on this call, you know, on this call knows about. It's a multi-million dollar, uh, you know, retail brand uh, whose founder is a, you know, has is himself like a multi-millionaire, etc. And uh, you know, the initial part of our fundraising journey. uh we kind of met we, we we connected you know all the co-founders were there we met over for almost 3 4 days we finished everything and when i say everything i'm talking about you know signing off not signing off i would say almost formulating back and forth uh, legal terms you know uh, everything from how the ratchets would be how uh, you know how the money would flow in what valuation and it was almost too good to be true which obviously we later on realized the valuation was insane i mean our first round we, we they, they had given us a valuation of <laughs> you laugh but uh, 50 crores all right uh, and uh, and and it was uh, you know of course it was in tranches and it was fi- four times the money that we were actually initially seeking okay in every respect you know this was like a dream come true and it was more like everything was bouncing off we were you know uh, you know we had their legal teams their compliance teams the the person who was managing the actual investment uh, you know was completely on board very we were all very excited to get the deal done mm-hmm. and a funny part is at that point we also had interest from other investors and that includes my current investor and somebody who has been the most supportive and you know we've been blessed to have such investors they had also given us a term sheet mm-hmm. but as we would have fucked up we got enamored by big money and big valuation mm. and we actually turned down the investor who had given us a term sheet mm. for the potential of the investor that gave us much higher valuation as well as more money there was no term sheet yet we were in discussions of you know finalizing almost every contract every paper etc mm. now here's where the fun begins we mm. turned down the only investor or the bunch of investors who actually were ready to fund us mm. uh, and we let time pass mm. suddenly one saturday and i am not going to forget that day okay because i almost dropped onto my chair because we were already at negative 40 lakhs of our bank balance given we had we had already procured a license uh, you know and we had kind of borrowed from uh, you know friends uh, out of more like family and so it was just a loan it was just a stop gap arrangement and that saturday you will not believe that guy out of the blue simply just closed and with you know like with almost like a you know uh, like a very cold tone said this business is too risky for me okay you imagine somebody who's interacting with you for 3 months right mm-hmm. somebody who knows that we've turned down an investment 
who we have signed up and i mean who we have um, discussed draft legal drafts back and forth whose own legal team whose own investment principal doesn't know about it suddenly tells everybody on the call on a saturday this business is too risky for me and i'm out okay. now we did find out later on what was the purpose the purpose of, he was uh, told by one of the unicorn founders who used to run a unicorn retail marketplace uh still does right who had invested in a similar kind of a company who dissuaded this person from investing here but these are the realities right which people should know because nobody talks about it mm-hmm. we were in a position where we had spent four months with negative 40 in our bank balance and have turned off the only investor on a promise which never fructified mm-hmm. after this we spent another four months starting from scratch going back to square one going back to angel networks you know starting off with small commitments and then picking it up and then sort of continuing uh, you know uh, on the same tough uh, you know painful journey that many of you are going through today and finally we were able to secure money from the same investor who we turned off somehow we kind of placated them and said you know what it was you know it was a logical thing to do uh, at that point but if you are still open uh you know mm. we would love for you to come on board mm. so i think the biggest learning out there was guys uh you know there is no such thing as a a soft commitment it's all bullshit mm. unless mm. you have money in the bank i know mm. people who have also reneged on term sheets okay mm. for one reason or the other money doesn't come right and we have mm. seen enough cases in the market uh, of people suing each other even on mna deals mm. so if you're fundraising guys just grab the money that comes yeah, to you yeah. I'm not saying take any money, but if you are not a guy who is being uh, pursued by twenty thousand people, the beggars can't be choosers. And money to date and surviving is more important than any, uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, cloudy, uh, you know, uh, uh, valuations that are only on not even on paper, but they are just on talks. So I guess that was sort of the biggest fuck up, which I think took us back by almost nine months. if you think about the timeline and 9 months is super expensive yeah, yeah. Uh, from a founder's perspective right and so 9 months is obviously no income no salary uh, you still have to pay people somehow try to make it work beg borrow uh, you know i wouldn't say steal but it was more beg and borrow right and and that's what we had to encounter so the first lesson was uh, money in the bank please really really understand this concept and value it mm mm No, no, man. I guess, I guess, you know, this is this is a very, very important uh, statement here because I remember when we were fundraising for the first time. Uh, you know, I also, you know, as a first-time founder, you think that you have options. You know, when somebody gives you a soft commitment, you go into the whole tirade of whether I should pick money from them, money from him, or not. My and and you know, I remember this one of my mentors when I had approached him and said that you know, sir, kisse paisa uthao. Who should I pick money from? He said, "Ki jo dera usse lelo." Okay, so so I I completely agree and and I completely understand where where and how and I guess you know this is a this is again a horror story, man. And I guess this is not a this is not a standalone problem instance, you know. I guess this thing can happens on a regular basis, and this is something which invest, totally. this, which which founders should really be wary about. And I'll tell you what the problem is, right? the problem is that uh, our ecosystem uh, you know and it is the reality of it is that the ecosystem is very lopsided there will always be more founders looking for funding than there will be investors deploying capital right yeah. so i feel like many of them end up getting away with murder 
and i'll tell you what i mean by that in silicon valley there is actually a platform i don't know the name on the top of my head which actually does a reverse rating of investors mm. and it might just be a concept which i might propose uh, you know that we should do it at tbc given you know it's a it's a it's an honest approach of founders to also give feedback about their own experiences i mean mm. you know if you do this with one person you are going to end up doing this with somebody else till it is checked you know in a way mm. it is like those predators of harassment that happen uh, you know uh, that happen in corporates uh, it doesn't stop at one because this becomes mm. you get you, you you are allowed to get away with it so you continue doing it mm. and uh, you know while our case is not that extreme that i would i would say it's fine it's a business decision you have not given us anything in writing that's fine you know but mm. we have also had an experience given we are talking about fundraising which happened as recently as the last investment round mm. where oh, wow. we had another uh, conglomerate uh, you know a uh, a a uh, venture capital arm a corporate vc basically with exposure into retail again billion dollar uh, you know companies who actually spent time with us uh, took 3 uh, days with us took our actual business model including uh, the you know our actual the, the actual uh, franchisee model the commercials what is it who are we paying how much how did we make that work xyz whatever it is i actually made the market pitch i connected them to license source for a uh, you know for a uh, ref check i made the market slide for the internal ic assuming yaar ye deal to hone wali hai right mm. you won't believe that guy he not only did they not invest and that's fine you know within not even 3 months from mm. us turning us down he invested in a competitor and while turning us down he said that our company is looking for more of online players uh, pure online players because we already have a lot of retail uh, offline uh, exposure and the board does not want to take exposure to that uh, and you guys are predominantly offline because obviously by then we had a lot of offline revenue mm-hmm. and i respected that i said okay you know what no problem you know that's fine uh, you know that's okay but the fact that the person did not even have the courtesy uh, to let us know including having all our information that they actually announced an investment 3 months into a competitor mm. and when i called him i said guys what happened you know like you know it's a basic courtesy that you don't invest in a competitor for 6 months given you knew all these facts right mm. uh, and the fact that you didn't even tell us that you're investing in a competitor we had to find out from your story and 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 economic times mm. he said oh jaril but you know their business model is completely different they don't aspire to be offline they are just pure online I said okay we'll see about that and I am mm. not joking and this is what is going to be funny for you people that same competitor after exactly 2 months opened up their first retail store right under our first retail store in Vijayana Mall in Thane <laughs> and our store manager 1. no 1.2.5x salary to become a store manager at their store all right and that story kind of also reminded us and i don't blame the the competition see i have a lot of respect for our competition they have not done anything wrong they are here mm. to do business this mm. is more of a of a of a you know thing that we all need to be careful about these investors like you need to because you are at an at a stage when you are doing the last level of diligence you need to open up all your cards you need to tell them everything mm. but the fact that they can get away with this right and nobody not a single linkedin post not a single tweet that even would come out from people like me 
राइट और और सो मेनी पीपल हु एक्सपीरियंस दिस डे एंड आउट इज वाई दे गेट अवे विद दिस क्रैप and of course i don't want to belabor this point but i know that you know from my founder friends and from a lot of investors i know in the vc world this is a very common thing you know people mm-hmm. are screwing over founders left right and center uh, you know and and you see the point is as a founder uh, you know you're not going to go out on social media and crib about it right that is just you're going to yeah. cut, cut a sorry face right you're like yeah. oh, okay you know this is this sour grapes you know the kai baby right yeah. so you 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 can talk about it in forums like this you will talk about it on on close whatsapp groups and we do uh, mm-hmm. in fact our own investor uh, you know uh, blacklisted this particular uh, uh, so called cvc uh, who had actually approached them to come and uh, you know invest in many consumer deals they said no man you 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 don't you don't have values i mean business is one thing uh, and you know in the mm-hmm. venture capital world both at the founder level and a start and and a vc level i think ethics value and reputation man you cannot lose your reputation reputation is everything in this industry right mm. so i think i think i think founders need to not worry about too much about getting uh, paranoid about sharing information but mm. i would say be aware that mm. this fuck up will happen and it mm. happens to a very high uh, you know proportion of founders so mm. keep be cognizant of this risk uh, as as and when you fundraise having said mm. that i don't recommend asking uh ndas uh, when you are raising your angel round <laughs> you nobody is going to sign any ndas etc uh, that's not what i'm proposing i'm just saying uh, share how much ever you want to don't share uh, metrics of your margins etc unless you go into the deep due diligence stage mm. and you know then if you are lucky you'll get the right partners if not mm. you know you will also have a tbc call like this some point in the future <laughs> नहीं नहीं यार इज देर इज देर वे यू कैन आइडेंटिफाई काइंड and trust mm. me you would think that current founders will not tell you mm. i am i have spoken to founders right founders we connect with founders at a different level one call they don't know who i am i'm not i ask them how is this guy point blank he will tell you everything even if the guy is a current investor he said mm. this guy is a complete asshole this guy is a complete pain in the ass or this guy is a gem this guy is the one who is always there to support you I mean, you know, today I don't know about the destiny of Planet Superheroes tomorrow, but ever in future, if somebody asks about at least you know some of the current investors that we have, right? They are only going to get very, uh, you know, very very glorious recommendations. And I have, I, I do that. I, you know, we we we've always been, uh, you know, very close because you know that word spreads. So tomorrow, when there is a competing offer of a very very uh, hot field or a hot startup, and they have mm. the option to choose investors. Mm. this is going to make that delta difference mm. so uh, my recommendation is you talk to at least three founders where the people have invested money okay mm. and you ask them point blank very honestly that i'm putting my company on the line because an investor on your cap table can become a very painful person in the future you know mm. please tell me your honest opinion uh, you know mm. on what do you think are the pros and cons don't ask for only negative say what are the pros and cons every founder at least from at least 100% of the cases that i have spoken to have been 
point blank honest they may not tweet about it they may not put it on linkedin uh, but when you take a one on one call and request them they will give you point blank honest cool so that's the first first bit we'll probably cover a few more before we open up the open up the floor for questions my second question was around the whole operations bit so yours is a fairly physical kind of a business you know you have you have a a supply chain through which the whole product has to go and then get sold eventually in online or offline offline forums i'm sure you know this yeah. whole this whole uh, you know the the physical much the business of merchandising rather has its own uh, challenges uh, so any kind of uh, you know problems which people faced or you know what was it working with so many different service providers vendors and in general the operations aspect you know as you correctly uh, pointed out right our business is very very complex mm. operationally and mm. uh, you know for those who uh, perhaps are uh, joined in late or uh, you know are not i'll just give you a sense of our operations right our operations start from not just procuring the licenses but then actually working with factories uh, starting off with the design getting the design approved then kind of sending it to the factories uh, you know for a sample then getting changes on the sample then getting it approved from the licensor then getting into bulk production that's when it then comes the inward process into your warehouse then from the warehouse it comes to syncing up to the marketplaces and online places as well as pushing out to the stores mm-hmm. we added another level of complexity which lot of people uh, you know lot of unicorns were talking about it but you know we were silently building it what was called the true omni channel lot of people say they are omni channel but they are really not so what i mean by true omni channel is that when an order comes on your website that inventory if it is available in any of your network of 20 stores should be seamlessly be able to be serviced from that store depending on some kind of an algorithm that you may put at the back end whether it is closest proximity to the customer maybe it is inventory inventory levels you know for example Uh, a store may have five pieces of that product and another store may have only one piece it may be more prudent to have that shipped from the uh, place which has five pieces versus getting it from the one uh, one which has one and then having that get stocked out uh, in terms of a variety at that store right so there's a lot of intelligent uh, you know optimizations that you have to do at the back end mm-hmm. now india has solved to some extent thanks to uh, you know uh, even the the labor etc you know we have we have people who can do jugad and get the other stuff done but i think where we have been uh, you know extremely unfortunate is about the quality of software of doing what it's supposed to do you know it's it's, a, it's it seems like a very fundamental problem but i am so pained and so frustrated that you know you have some guy sending you an email we have saas company doing abc acha we get very excited ek demo lete hain demo promises you the you know the sun and the moon mm-hmm. and then you sign up and you actually start the operations oh my god and that's mm-hmm. when the fuck up starts mm-hmm. the guy is not able has not even solved the most fundamental thing that is needed for an operation of this nature now let me give an example what i mean mm-hmm. in our business the most obvious thing is for example to be able to sell on marketplaces right you have a warehouse management system uh, where you're invoicing etc happens now you would assume that your invoicing is a very standard thing that has already happened in life you know we will not be uh, you know pulling our hair over it you will not believe for 2 years 
I'm not exaggerating. I want to underscore this point for two years, and it's an internal joke in our company. We have developed the product for our service provider. We are the ones who had to give them the GST formula. We had to tell them how back calcu- backward calculation of GST happens. We had to tell them about the fact, and if somebody from a finance out here will appreciate or from tax will know that even that you know some of the GST laws are so funny. that for the same product category you can have two different gst rates depending on the mrp yeah. for example if your apparel is above 1000 rupees the gst is at 12% if it is up below 1000 rupees it's at 6% mm. okay on same thing for toys okay or if it's electronic it's 18% if it's not electronic it's 12% now the funny part is that these people opened up all these so called service providers they are all techies With zero domain expertise, so they came up, they raised money, they like, "Hamko ye karna hai," but they didn't spend a single time, okay, a single moment in actually, you know, traversing the steps as the end end consumer, mm-hmm. and what is the product going to deliver at every different stage that you are going to encounter, and this two years of our life, okay, have been a nightmare because we. Where every time there was a change, right? We had to sit and communicate. Then that would kind of be like, guys, this is does not even work. This is not even compatible with uh, GST, or this is you know your sync is not working, or you know they will come up with some kind of a problem left, right, and center. And what you may have, you know, you guys may be wondering that, okay, if that that one service provider was so bad, why the hell did you not switch, <laughs> right? Now my experience is as far as warehousing and omni-channel ops is concerned. Uh, our current uh, stack is the fifth player. Mm. Fifth player. Okay, we are not even seven. We are the seventh year, and we have changed five players in so-called SaaS business, which is supposed to be have very high friction in uh, what we call changing cost, right? Changing in cost, kind of yeah, yeah. you know SaaS businesses usually you know especially which are linked to your warehouse, which are linked to your catalog. You know, it's a very high switching cost, so you don't usually do that. But imagine how frustrated we might have been. Imagine how much business we must have lost. Imagine how many dollars we must have got from a customer that we had to force our entire team to start reinventing the wheel again for the new stack five times. The current one is the fifth version, <laughs> and by the way, the current version is also the fifth version because eventually we built the brain of our uh, omni-channel operations in-house. In-house. Eventually, we said, "Prove it." Yeah, we are going to do this in-house. Uh, we are going to use the peripheral, uh, you know, arms which we need, uh, which are which are to some extent solved. Uh, but what is going to be driving the engine of this whole omni-channel inventory sync? We are going to do it in-house, and we also built in-house uh, testing platforms to ensure that whenever they screw up, whether or not they figure out the bloody truth, we have to have an alert because we are answerable to our customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you getting what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. seems like such a redundant exercise that. Our techies have to build one QC engine, which only does one thing. It sends a report every every day and alert on Slack where inventory that is supposed to be on Amazon, distinct uh, to your know, warehouse, is not really that. But it will all it will tell you is that this inventory is broken. Mm. This will be coming from the service provider because that is a that core value proposition. So mm. this particular thing, you know, uh, uh, why I bring this up as an example and soil since you asked is. All of you guys must be encountering different variations of this this problem. Somebody says I'm going to do X Y Z marketing automation. Boss, automatically it will go to A B C D people. We happily sign off because the UI is very nice. Credit card day there. We are like it's all working like clockwork. 
second truth is that at the back end you don't even know if it is completely broken and by the time you end up investing money into that and six months have gone you realize that there has been a big sunk hole Mm-hmm. and by the way this is not just desi i want to point out one example this was an israeli company that we had onboarded which was actually financed by google mm-hmm. seed stage mm-hmm. israeli company doing a very interesting uh, front end thing for us uh, it was about increasing conversions right a very nice onboarding like they really they all cracked the onboarding process and the sales process despite being an indian startup for which it was an expensive ticket we were paying almost per month we were paying almost i think 500 dollars right because we thought that we would see the value in that it was 400 or 500 i'm not sure guys it took 6 months okay eventually the product basically did not deliver even 30% of what it was supposed to deliver by the way of course the company shut down uh, and and you know i i still know the guys who still onboarded me because it is not their fault i mean you know they're still friends but the fact is that it didn't do the fundamental thing it did so the big learning to all of you guys and at least what i can share is you know in this business especially when you are a startup and you are dealing with other startup it is it is it is prudent to be little suspicious of sales stories you will have to spend the effort to test it out although you may think why the hell am i testing out some product which ideally should have gone through its own uh, you know testing protocol right it's, it's, i'm paying for this it should happen the truth is it will not happen it will happen only like 50% of the time 50% of the times is broken and the only person who is suffering because that broken 50% is you it is not your service provider agreed and i guess this is true for majority of these uh, especially the newer ones which are in the business you know uh, they are also in the Absolutely. learning curve and we you know by by mis- by hook or matlab you know we eventually you know we end up becoming one of those guys who who are a part of that test ecosystem but i guess you know exactly we, yeah yeah we, i i completely understand the issue and, and this kind of things hurts more if you are already a grown up company which does which cannot afford to make mistakes you know a smaller startup probably these kind of things might or might not hurt you that much as as much as a probably a bigger company does and that's why probably yeah, I mean, yeah go on absolutely and if you have daily sales happening uh, you can imagine that even if you get five pissed off customers who put up five pissed off uh, reviews on 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 social media right i mean it is it is it is going to have a big impact on your business if it is especially a b2c kind of a brand business right and as you correctly said uh, you know this we've eulogized about uh, the whole uh, steve jobs and you know microsoft story that sell it before you build it i think that's an absolutely bullshit advice right i mean the context in which it was given okay in that in all those sitcoms or you know the story of uh, apple or microsoft right and how founders or startup founders have abused it today mm. you know because they have found an excuse to to put a shabby product out there that is not what uh, you know was was being perpetuated in those conversations it was about having the conviction to sell something and eventually you still have to deliver it <laughs> so it was not like those guys did not deliver right here the problem is that you you sell it on a lie you're not able to deliver it and you're not able to deliver it for more than 5 months mm-hmm. so i think i think those 5 months are basically going to be extremely dangerous mm-hmm. and risky given all of us are not having more runway than like 9 months right most of the startup founders usually raise funds for like a max of 12 months of runway right uh, you know either through 
because you don't get the valuation or you don't get that much of money six seven months if you end up instead of focusing on your customer instead of focusing on your product instead of improving that if you are solving uh, you know issues of somebody else's tech and the only option for you is to you know to stand that tech and service provider and start again which will take another two months and with no guarantee that that is going to work either you know that is what kind of really really starts pushing you back from your growth trajectory mm. so again repute take a lot of feedback and more importantly really really end up you know doing a very thorough initial test even if it means you need to make a sandbox environment and put a put a list make a list of your core functions without which you cannot uh, cannot do and have a thing that i will not start my contract till each and every functionality that you have mentioned on your sales is actually demonstrated on my sandbox mm. you know the last time the last omni channel uh, post that we onboarded uh, we signed the contract in april i don't know which year it was 2017 or 2018 i'm forgetting we ended up having a first billing cycle in october just just imagine this quantum of the delay the guy sold us april ye 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 functionality all beautiful beautiful ui this time we were smarter we said okay we are going to create a sandbox environment even if it means paying 3000 rupees 4000 5000 20000 whatever it is i want to see each and every functionality till then we will not sign our contract with our 20 stores it took them from april it eventually ended up happening in october and by the way that also in october was a 70% drill down version of what was sold we let go of the remaining 30% saying it doesn't matter much to us but the 70% that we needed it was core to our business it took them that much longer so i think i think that is sort of you know one of my pet peeves in terms of uh, you know the quality of uh, you know ancillary service providers which in today's no codes uh, you know no code uh, kind of an environment where everything is so lean where we are dependent on you know why to reinvent the wheel let's just pick it up you know the xyz is providing this that guy is providing x let's put it together and make it work has a lot of hidden risk which mm. you which are not very tangible to the naked eye when you are starting off it looks very good on paper but when the start things start interacting you know shit is the fan agreed cool guys i guess we have had a a good 45 minutes of 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 interesting insights from janil i'll open up the floor for questions i still have a few questions that uh, i still have a few questions that i have to ask but uh, i'll just open up the floor for questions anybody has a question you can just unmute and ask Cool, so cool. Good. Yeah. what i'm doing right now is i yeah i am basically consulting startups with is mentoring and financial predictions fundraising besa now abhi uh, i am an expert in finance that is a different thing when i go out there uh, with uh, to pitch to startups there are two kind of startups first inka revenue nahi aaya hai abhi ya pehli pehli baar fundraising kar rahe hain unke sath issue kya aa raha hai uh, as you said ki service provider was not capable यहाँ पे I think, I mean, it's a, it's a. I think this is a very easily pluggable uh, or solvable problem, right? Before you engage into any business or take the first rupee from anyone, 
you put together mm. a very simple google document and explain your part and my part right and now that you are you, you are experienced that this is what founders are going to throw at you aap pehle se bata do ki boss i will i will be able to do a b and c subject to you giving me x y and z Mm-hmm. So then, if there is no, if you manage the expectations upfront, so clearly, right? There is no question about you, uh, you know, not being a service provider that has not done its own job. Because once you get the data, which I agree you, that how will you get the data without the company giving it to you, right? Uh, you will not mm-hmm. be able to do. And by a lot of technical guys um, who may not even know the definition of gross margins or contribution margins or EBITDA or whatever, right? Which are financial mm-hmm. numbers which one may need, especially when you are fundraising, etc. in that case you should at least be able to ask the smart questions initially when you are doing the project scoping ki boss aapko ye pata hai nahi pata hai to main aapke paas aaunga aapke tally yaar aapke quickbooks yaar intuit pe baithke karunga uske liye extra time lagega aur uske liye extra paisa lagega if you do not want me to do it you know you can you can you can hire an accountant you can hire a ca uh, you know unless they are already part of it and give me this data then my scope becomes what i'm promising but if you also want me to actually do what is called typical bookkeeping right or actually extracting the the you know the the kachra from your accounts right then it will come at a cost so if you are frank and upfront about about the expectation setting then you know nobody can come back and say that apne apne kaam nahi kiya You, right. so that is what i would i would recommend and and uh, you know that is what by the way we are implementing at every stage today if anybody says anything now even if a digital marketer comes to us to pitch right we tell him mm-hmm. we will give we will sponsor hamare time pe 20000 rupees ka aapko ad budget dega aap jo bhi bata rahe ho na all those high five stuff aap mere account pe aap karke dikhao then then we will see the results and then we will then we will basically have a conversation you will not mm. believe out of 10 people who i proposed this challenge to write there are only four people end up taking the challenge six mm. people fizzle mm. out okay because so, what yeah, they do is they, they give out. some yeah they give some fictitious number of some client hum log ne itna likes kiya itna app kiya itna download kiya and you get you know you get those uh, you get those uh, pitches that come to your inbox literally every minute okay mm. especially when it comes to either tech services or it comes to digital marketing or it comes to you know some of that sort now problem mm. is that even the good people will reach out to you that way right and so will all the all the kachra so what you need mm. to do is you cannot blame the ecosystem everybody is here to sell and everybody is here to do business but we have to then evaluate our own protocol of filtering so we have now enforced the new protocol that any service provider comes i immediately tag them ke future mein kaam aayega and if i need them i i we have our own assessment if it is a service provider there is a service provider assessment along with ref checks if it is an employee who is looking for a job everyone each and everyone including the including the admin person gets a case interview okay which i derived from my consulting days admin ka case interview admin wale kaam pe hoga but case interview zarur hoga Hmm. But uh, I think that's just a quick question here. Uh, can I ask? Yeah, yeah, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, just a quick question. Uh, the com- the startups or companies which I'm targeting right now are the companies who are at seed stage, idea validation, or even they have started. So they are, of course, they're not earning any revenue. And I mean, my consultation fees, market time, is also bad. And if I take accounting, I will lose. So of course, I'm losing out on lo- on a lot, lot of uh, clients, right? Yeah, but i think that's i mean that's your business model right i mean you if uh, that i think i think a lot of people if you if i know uh, especially uh, investment bankers 
they actually mm. don't work with cheap stage companies because mm. of this very reason because the effort that is required to raise money for a cheap stage company may not be too too different from a uh, you know uh, effort which is needed to raise money from a much larger company but mm. both in terms of return because it's a percentage of your fund raise or from the effort which goes in and the hand holding which goes in is lopsided so what mm. has happened is that people have created different types of um, business models for example if i were in your position i would not do a one is to one mm. i would create workshops and i would invite uh, 10 founders that you have done jo free mein karwa rahe hain unko at one workshop to discuss common uh, uh, you know to discuss common themes then you can have a small charge for it uh, you know if, if you think it's worth it but if if people are not willing to give uh, you know money for your uh, for for your 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 uh, consulting then either your then you have to ask a bigger business model question that what am i doing here because free lunch to everybody will take right so that's my perspective i mean i can't i, I can't solve for the fact that uh, you know uh, how they would uh, hmm. you know whether or not yeah, you should yeah. charge them or not charge them uh, but you know uh, whatever they expect out of you you have to deliver and what you hmm. expect out of them they need to deliver and you make it very hmm. very transparent and upfront uh, you know and that's the way to do it ashish you had hmm. a point probably because you know you also in the last water cooler conversation when you came and you talked about premiumness and the reason why you are a little bit premium any thoughts about this bit hey hey guys hey hi hi hey, hi yeah. welcome sir am i am audible yes yes you are hey janil fantastic oh. chat yeah thoroughly enjoying it uh, you know can't can't do enough plus ones and plus hundreds to almost almost every point you have made so far um, thank you I think I think I think I I will just uh, agree with Janil, but also I think uh, one thing I'll tell you, Harsh, is that uh, that that there is a there are two conflicts. One is one is definitely you know you should not be working for early stage startups if you are saying that I feel bad, you know, for charging them mm-hmm. because I think you should you if at all you should feel bad about the fact that you are not able to raise money for them if at all. uh charging them or not charging them should not be the number one problem because your job is not to really charge them you your job is to probably bring money to them second is that uh, uh, uh you know cha- as as janil also said uh, you know keep your uh, put the expectations up front very clearly uh, because i also believe as a as a founder and as an investor with lot of early stage uh, you know uh, founders that they are not supposed to actually uh no a lot of fundraising things a lot of projection building you know data building etc so when they come to you asking you know whether you can connect them with you know investors or not whether you can raise money for them or not actually they are saying a lot of things that they also don't know that they need to do in the process so right. so it also becomes it also becomes your job and your responsibility to tell them that hey this is exactly what it will take to raise money and these are the parts i am going to do for you either you i expect you to do some of these parts before or i would want you to meet xyz who can do the rest for you uh mm. but yeah th- those are my two cents i you know on the on the premium side i do believe that you should actually uh, look for clients who can pay who mm. can pay well who can pay enough and you should actually invest back into the services you can build for them because your your best job will be that you know when you are able to every time raise funds for the people you you take mm. up Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the good points, which I think you know, is a takeaway from what Janil also said previously, was that probably 
if you are in this condition you can actually create workshops for these people an introductory workshop wherein you can bring in people and tell them what it really takes you can do it a paid or an unpaid when completely up to you but once that workshop is done then probably once they have more clarity on on what steps need to be taken you can probably ask them whether they really want to go in for your services or not so that's that's one one cent from whatever i had cool but does that answer your question yeah completely it does it gives a lot of clarity thanks man thanks harsh anybody else has a question i have a question i have a few questions i'll i'll jump into that but if anybody else wants to ask a question please go ahead abhishek yeah yeah i also have one question so hi actually i have three questions okay. uh, one of the thing is so many of the uh, successful startups actually start their own product line at some point of time like amazon flipkart etc so did you also try to like start or have your own superheroes category uh where you don't actually need licenses to start from maybe premium market or something your own your own ip jani yeah your own ip great question so <laughs> uh truth is that uh everybody is holy grail is to create yeah, yeah. their own content right yeah. uh, and i mean it is the most fulfilling the most profitable uh, the most everything like in the licensing business having your own ip that becomes popular is a cash flow thrower okay i mean that is what people are working uh, you know for donkeys years mm. but now here is the, the reality of the market to build anything beautiful or to build anything long lasting takes a lot of time yeah. correct uh, even the biggest ips that exist today right i'm talking about specifically to the life thing domain of entertainment and characters right it has mm. been built over decades In fact, mm. one of our licenses that we brought to India, it's a kiddie property called Peppa Pig. If you have any yeah, young yeah. nieces or uh, babies mm. in the house, you know you would know it's a pretty crazy property. You know, yeah. last year it was sold for four billion dollars. Uh, it was it was bought by Hasbro, the toy company. Okay, yeah. and you know that I w- when I look at the history of that IP, it is amazing and it is so inspiring. It was started by a couple. Okay, in 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 UK. it changed four hands the ip has over the last 20 years changed four owners and effect yeah. eventually the final seller which is e1 which is a listed company in its own sold it to hasbro for 4 billion dollars what it meant is that you know and every ip it has its own uh, market timeline and you know lot of market factors which 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 become its reason for success Yeah. So when you say uh, would you create your own uh, IP you know honestly that is the aspiration for everyone but to create an IP your DNA has to be of a creator and mm-hmm. it's very important that as founders we know what our business stands for see today if i'm doing making t-shirts or making toys and i'm i'm doing omni channel retail you know my DNA is very different my DNA is ops my DNA is optimization my DNA is designers that understand pop culture but when you talk about creating an ip you have to get into child psychology you have to get into animation you have to get into the creator economy that knows storytelling you know you need to be a production house mm-hmm. so you know while the aspiration is always that you can you know you would love to have your own ip the truth is that for an ip to become at a certain mass where it can monetize takes decades you know if not multi decades it will take at least a decade uh, to kind mm-hmm. of get there so yes we would love to have, do, have done that to answer your question but we also realized that is not a dna hence mm. we never went to create our own uh, you know ip 
that is not our dna at this point mm. okay uh, is it regarding the odias who are actually ch- children not young adults or, or is it no it's not that because we actually okay. cater we started off catering only to young adults and we got into kids okay. only 2 years uh, uh, the, you know from now we got into kids only 2017 uh, so we have always a core audience online has always been young adults many of like of the age category of the people on this uh, you know on this on this forum uh, it's not about that you you think about the characters which are popular mm-hmm. right and at a at a reasonable market you either have to see them on netflix or on amazon or you need to have seen a movie or you need to have seen it on tv all of these mm-hmm. are big budget things which require years of constant content being developed after that mm-hmm. there is affinity to the character or what it stands for and after that can you monetize on the merchandise mm-hmm. you have to think about this entire value chain as also segments in time what what point you need to focus on what you cannot produce a character however beautiful it is uh, you know uh, into your in your on your studio and assume that people are going to pay money or pay you know uh, because you created something beautiful no that's not how mm. it works the character mm. stands for something it's either humor it's it's fun it is you know coolness it has to stand something and it has to be well uh, disseminated i mean uh, you know it has to be well circulated among your know, the target audience for them to actually monetize on the merchandise mm. okay okay and it, it so, can it be ip free also like for example i saw one couple in i don't remember i think uk or somewhere where they were actually selling softwares related to uh, indian gods like ganesha hanuman etc and could that also be done in this scenario like because they could be ip free also yes yeah, so i think uh, people who are selling uh, concepts which nobody can pat- uh, nobody can have a uh, license on mm-hmm. are already doing it but then uh, you know it is about uh, you know you answered your own question the, mm. a lord ganesha or a, or a shiva or anybody else is still popular right i mean mm-hmm. it is something that already has the reach and the connect with everyone mm. when you say creating your own ip i'm thinking more of you sketching out a character sketching out a storyline and then putting it out in the masses by the mm. way we do as planet superheroes work with a lot of indie creators and try to help them also we actually mm. help with a creator in the uk who had made these absolutely kickass designs okay it was like you know uh, it was like a johnny bravo with a beard or a, or a disney princess who's you know having a cigarette okay but which by the way disney did not allow with did not permit so we had to take special permission that this is a fan art only for adults can we do this in a limited capacity and they were like okay fine whatever all right so i'm i'm just <laughs> okay. saying i'm just saying that uh, you know those are you cannot first of all you cannot modify a already existing character as a commercial basis you can only do it to show or encourage the creativity of somebody who's done something beautiful but to your point you cannot actually produce uh, something overnight you will have to invest in it to produce a brand affinity at least for 5 years if not more okay okay mm. yes yes this answered my question okay so, uh, so um, i i had one follow up question okay Yeah, I was saying. So you earlier you also mentioned about collectibles in this discussion, right? So, uh, so in the past few months there was some craze about NFTs and also, right? So did you also try that way, like digitization of some some of these, uh, say figures or drawings or whatever the IPs that or licenses that you had? NFTs. NFTs. Yeah. 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 NFTs. It is. It is still. It is still being explored. Yes, it is. You are right. Absolutely right. Uh, the biggest brand in collectibles, which is Funko, which itself is a 
uh, i think uh, i think now must be a 3 to 4 billion dollar company uh, you know uh, launched its first nft and uh, quite mm-hmm. a few japanese uh, uh, you know anime also created their nfts but you know i don't want to uh, sort of uh, you know move this conversation to that because wo itself is a very big chat about nfts mm-hmm. there is very strong nft uh, uh, application to the licensing business in fact one of the founders i know in 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 in, Cal- in california he runs a company called ricker okay r e c u r he himself runs a licensing company he had actually done a uh, you know a seminar to the entire licensing ecosystem uh, two weeks ago i was also part of that seminar and i posted the seminar also whatsapp him that it was a brilliant talk where you know him and his investor which is gary uh, you know uh, all spoke about how nfts are going to massively change the licensing ecosystem but this is 10 years down the line abhi kuch nahi hone wala and they gave some amazing examples of how you are going to be able to uh, you know uh, connect uh, a, a live experience uh, which includes a physical doll or a merchandise along with a live action event like think about like a front seat to a wwf uh, event right along with the nft uh, you know that you would purchase so it's a very complicated thing and personally i am also a student i don't know much about it and i am also learning very keenly like you i'm being very very uh, you know open to uh, how this uh, would impact the licensing and ip industry but right mm-hmm. now no we are doing nothing in that sort okay Ash- okay ashish you had a point no i i have a you know i have a question uh, yeah, so yeah. um uh, janil one one thing is that uh, you know over the years I, i'm sure that you have i mean there are there are so many companies who actually don't license the brand in fact they they breach the ip they they you know print a superman t-shirt or a or any superhero merchandise without taking permission from the brand uh i know a company you know back in i think 2014 or 15 i'm sure you know them blue gap yes. uh you know yes, those yes, those guys yes. <laughs> yeah, those guys were yes. those guys were sued by i know I, i might have brought some some emotions there so so they were they were sued they were sued left right center i know the inner inner story there but my question is do you look at and i'm sure there are multiple such flares even mm. you know might be might be there right now up every day you look at them as market creators or do you also you know help brands to identify and sue them in india Actually, that's a great question, and I'll I'll tell you that I'll answer it in two parts, right? First question is that are they market creators? Absolutely, they are, and uh, why they are is because eventually they are producing some fan art or whatever they are producing that is being sold. Now, this is not coming from me. Uh, this is coming from people I've spoken to among the biggest licensed houses. you know there is a constant conflict for companies like us who pay license fees and big hefty royalties every time there is a fake seller or what we call you know fake uh, you know or which is available on flipkart or amazon you know we go back to a licensor and say why the hell are we paying you royalties you know what are you doing about it they come up with some concocted excuse kar rahe hai ye ho raha hai notice will go from us will go from hong kong etc etc the truth is that they have very little control right uh, the kind of laws that we have for intellectual property protection and especially even from a out a reputational hazard people don't give a shit in fact you asked a very touchy topic in fact in terms of what is the fuck up in this business if i were to be very categorically honest is this whole notion of having a license was fictitious mm. you know the truth is uh, nobody gives a shit about licenses in india 
India did not stop. Uh, uh, you know, and I asked a very simple question. It's a very funny conversation I had. I was in the office of a. Uh, I don't want to name them, but you all know about those companies, right? Uh, licensor, head of that, uh, head of the licensing company in India. We are talking about yeah. licensing. Yeah, wo. I asked him a simple question, and he was not expecting it. I mean, ekdam slightly pucha usko. Mila, arey yar, you saw that latest uh, Game of Thrones episode. उ and you know i have never i mean i have a principle in life that as a software company i never use pirated stuff i have never used i and i try to pay other software companies i mean this may more than more than certainly it may sound a little stupid by but i actually whenever i like a free product even though i don't need their pro version or whatever paid version but if if that product did anything good or bad or small for me i pay you know for that paid version and i feel very good about it mujhe aisa lagta hai ki ki i contributed you know to to some company who is building this ip but i think this is this is really about uh, that mindset I, i know a youtuber who uh, you know earns 30 35 lakhs a month and and has millions of followers you know does food videos recently i was talking to him एंड मैंने उससे पूछा कि यार ये तुम ये जो वीडियो एडिट करते हो इसके लिए तुम कुछ अच्छा सॉफ्टवेयर ले सकते हो नहीं नहीं जो अभी हम सॉफ्टवेयर यूज करते हैं वो फ्री है तो आई गॉट आई गॉट आई वॉज सरप्राइज आई सेट आई सेट यू आर यू हैव बिल्ट लाइक दीज फाइव थाउजेंड वीडियोज यूजिंग अ फ्री सॉफ्टवेयर ही सेट हाँ उसमें ना थोड़ा प्रॉब्लम आता है पचास वीडियो के बाद ना उसका वाटरमार्क हटाना पड़ता है तो हमने छह अकाउंट बना रखे हैं हम वो छह अकाउंट से लॉग इन कर करके हर महीने पचास वीडियो सो आई एंड आई लाइक you know while while licensing can be a little tricky and the one reason for you to pay this hefty fee and procure license and and you know for this merchandise is of course longevity of business that you are a legit brand you will never be banned etc but uh, do fans do customers care about mm. the fact that you are a legit licensee mm. and yeah in case they don't in case they don't do you ever think of you know doing a community play on planet superheroes for example before this chat i did not know that you guys exist and i'm mm. i may not be a tg you know per se i'm not really that big a fan that you know who really bought t-shirts about uh, you know around this but but i would have loved to know so is there a way you think that there can be a community play where where fans you know value that because you are a you are a legit licensee right 
I'll tell you your first question plainly is: Do people, do customers care whether you're a legit licensee? Uh, I, the answer is a yes and a no. And I'll tell you in which way it is a yes and which way it is a no. Do they care that you pay, uh, you know, eight uh, percent of your net sales, uh, uh, you know, to a Disney? Or uh, you know, the answer is no. They don't give a shit, right? But if your license is signaling of quality, they care a lot. Now the problem is that you have to find the right product category where authenticity is more important than the, pro- the you know the authenticity of the product is not is not is very difficult to decipher. So what do I mean by that? If you are a Funko collector, Funko community okay of collectibles is is so hardcore that they don't even open their collector collector uh, collectible from their packaging. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if anybody in this community knows that, <laughs> but they actually collect it and there is also a. Parallel Funko is after sales market. After sales, I mean, they actually trade Funkos whose pricing sometimes is even 20x of the acquisition of the uh, $14 or $12 that they buy at retail. For all the right. for all the mint for all the mint condition packages. Yes, mint conditions, yes. exactly. However, when you go to a T-shirt, right? If your T-shirt quality, you have paid for, you are happy. Color is not fading. It is not shrinking after a couple of washes. Because you don't give a shit whether that was, uh, you know, that the person who created it uh, had paid, uh, you know, the royalty percentage to uh, Disney or DC or 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 HBO or whatever, right? And that is where the unfortunate yes and no comes. That for certain categories, like you will never, you would always want an authenticity when if you are buying a car where you know that there is some internal electronic product which could be, you know, could be could be a massive factor later on. Or if you are buying an electrical appliance, you know, you will not, you will not even. Think twice, uh, and authentic and original signifies longevity of the product itself. But T-shirt, me, आपको क्या फर्क पड़ता है? T-shirt में I could be an I could be an official licensee and uh, you know pay them royalties, but you may not like the fit, and you'll anyways reject. But have you and have you tried? Is is there a community play on that? Right, exactly on that point. Right. So so I do agree that as a fan, I don't really care whether you paid eight percent royalty, etc. Or not. I don't even know whether you pay royalty or not. But right. So there, is there a community a, play? Okay, so if I if I am a if I'm a DC fan and and I bought DC mer- merchandise from you, uh, then uh, uh, do I get some? Uh, you know, is there a way to actually collect all these people on a yeah, single platform? On a single platform, uh, with, and the exclusivity. Yeah, and the exclusivity of which actually becomes a reason to probably buy it from Planet Superhero versus uh, you know versus something else. Right now, you know that that is that comes to the uh, you know very important point of exclusivity of the license mm-hmm. itself. If if we were the only people in this country, okay, I'm not even talking about the world. Right? I'm talking about just this country, right? Which had exclusivity. What you said would have a lot of value because what then happens is that that exclusivity, even if it is you know even if there are other fakes out there, but if there was only one person who can say, "Boss, if you bought from me as a DC fan, you have done." You know, you have you're wearing your fanhood with pride by paying money to the creators of this beautiful character, right? Why, why, by mm. basically buying from an official licensee. Unfortunately, mm. this is where you know was one of the kind of conversations about the fuck up is there are people who, your company's destiny will also sometimes be dependent on people who you know eventually will take bad long term decisions, which are good, which seem apparently good in the short term. And screw up the market. And I don't have any qualms in saying this out in a publicly that 
the licensor community in india has been very very myopic they have basically sliced and diced licenses like they will give you a license for a you know it's a joke right they will give you a license for a 6 inch ruler and they will give me for a 12 inch ruler and say are bhai aapka 6 inch ka hai aur aapka 12 inch ka hai you know so these days if you go out there i i know that the, you know there are at least 100 licenses of super so i think uh, what i was saying was that uh, you know so there is no uh, that was the other problem or the fuck up which had happened or has still happening mm-hmm. right is that if you don't have a long term play for things like ip or things like character building right you are end up going to make such bad short term decisions which which will get you your revenue because you sliced and diced licenses to 100 people you made your royalties and mgs but eventually mm-hmm. those 100 people are not going to continue staying in the market you know then the market is going to become of 20 people right so instead of instead of growing a market by basically supporting the person who is actually paying you licenses and doing it the right way you know organically making the character and the partners in that ecosystems thrive you have ended up for short term greed you ended up giving out too many licenses so coming back to your question about this community play we cannot have a community mm-hmm. play if there are 20 other people who have a, who are also have been given a license to sell the same product mm-hmm. effectively then what mm-hmm. happens is i become a commoditized play like with with a you know with a with a competitor who's also selling official t-shirts he also puts or she also puts official uh, merchandise on their website and on their product and they are they are also paying royalties so effectively for an end consumer do you care no then you will say tu deta hai 499 ye deta hai 599 i'll go for 499 somebody will come for 399 you'll buy from there you get what i'm saying and yeah. then if you say that now i'm going to differentiate on design then boss that is any which way is fundamental right i mean then why are you paying royalties for that uh, you know for the brand right i mean if it's about design because you don't even have the luxury to modify the character's print because that is effectively the ip that comes from the licensor yeah so do you also sell on on different marketplaces like mintra and and all other all other marketplaces do you have a planet superhero store there yes we do so we we do sell and, on amazon and, and flipkart uh, on mintra we are doing it on a very limited basis because uh, <laughs> what do i say that was another fuck up that we had uh, identified with jabong and mintra 3 years ago where uh, you know we were able to identify a leakage of 3 and a half lakhs in their returns uh, process and we stopped doing business with them uh, of course i know that uh, times have changed uh, you know businesses have changed people have changed and you know things have become better but this was the reason why we stopped doing work we worked with them because this was part of the operational uh, you know uh, fa- you know that you can you know you see that people do uh, and and if you know it took us after 8 months that we realized that we were uh, bleeding cash on these marketplaces and only when we identified we found out that it was uh, it was pretty pretty bad reason for it i mean it was it was uh, you know they they claimed a quote unquote technology bug but uh, you know people that we found out uh, could also been uh, poorly incentivized category managers trying to bulk up uh, gross margin uh, uh, you know uh, for their internal kpis no no so, i know i i exactly i exactly know why that fuck up is because <laughs> i have yeah. i have i have couple of investments in e-commerce business who actually delisted from some of them saying ki bhai sahab mereko business hi nahi karna hai aapke sath karne se behtar but uh, uh, you know uh, my my question on on these uh, marketplaces is do these marketplaces care about Uh, before listing you for this this merchandise do they care about checking whether you have licenses or not no not until uh, there is something called a white gating process which is now very popular in the us uh, 
uh, mm-hmm. where they have mm-hmm. done that special program uh, you know because obviously there's a lot of furor so you are saying you think in in, in yeah i mean you're saying uh, you know i can i can actually be a non licensed player who can who can start selling on amazon uh, and flipkart tomorrow you you can start nay it is already happening today it has been happening for the last 6 years in fact we were the we we actually went and again i'm not going to name the company but all of you everybody knows them uh we went with them with a software that we uh, we said we made an mvp we told them with one click of a button uh, you will be able to actually scrape out all the fakes uh, of your brand and you will get it in a beautiful dashboard all mm-hmm. you have to do is click approved non approved so that your approved licenses can continue selling and your non approved licenses will get you know an alert and there will be a cc email going to the amazon or flipkart team will you be ready mm-hmm. to back us in this product development <laughs> you Might not, not believe they did not they did not even care about it they didn't they were like are chhod na yaar kisko farak padta hai right so that was the first that was the first reason not till date i can tell you i can produce a product right which if it sold globally can be a multi billion dollar spinner there is already people legal firms who are doing this as a multi million dollar yeah. business only doing this manually there was we had already mm. created a very simple product as an mvp which but the intent mm. has to be there boss if you are a no 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 this is this is actually this is also misplaced see this is also misplaced incentive so i'm not surprised what i'm a little surprised about is that amazon in india is categorically not doing it that's a little surprising to me uh, if you talk about flipkart and you know snap deals of the world i understand that's a misplaced incentive they have Correct. you know for <laughs> for them delisting you is stupid because they're trying to build market they're trying to create market they will they will propel all kinds of uh, you know random is but uh, are you are you i mean just to confirm i'm i'm a little too surprised are you saying that amazon in us is not going to allow but amazon in india is going to allow you as of no, now so you understand the pro- difference understand the difference if you actually categorically report a violation am amazon india will definitely act on it okay there is an automated protocol for that but what you are asking me is that do they check before you get listed the answer is no yeah. because no my that, assumption that, is that, my that, assumption that, is that they do that in us are you saying yes, that they don't that also they do that they do that in us because not because it is amazon but because it's a mature market in terms of ip and Correct. there is a special wide gating process where the licensor is equally inclined and motivated to have actually worked with amazon to build this out in fact also also amazon can be also amazon can be sued in 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 many different ways if they allow that so so their their incentive is also not misplaced in us and in most of the western markets yeah well in india they 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 uh, keep the high you know the high ground of saying we are a marketplace and we don't control what people sell so if somebody uh, you know uh, violates the terms and if somebody reports it we immediately act on it but we cannot sit and right. monitor each person so in that sense monitor. they are pretty much out of the blue but uh, yes there are uh, you know there are other uh, you know cases especially when they have affiliate selling it uh, you know and they don't do it so i mean you will hardly get a fake a cloud tail selling a fake i mean i don't think that would ever happen because you know the, the risks are very uh, are very different and you know that is that right. is part of the long and st- short of it yeah god hey i have i have a lot of questions bubbling but i don't want to hog <laughs> the entire bandwidth so i'll i'll, I'll mute for now and i'll allow other other people to go on but thank you ashish thanks a lot for these questions yeah and thanks a lot for joining in for the water cooler chat oh janel hi oh uh, great insights great insights a lot you know god uh you know just one thing i mean this is uh, it's exactly you know not not exactly a question it's a emotion basically 
so you know i visited you know a comic con pune in you know 2009 uh, 18 or 19 uh, don't remember we won 17 or 18 so you know there you know i bought see i am a huge you know friends fan and you know i bought some t-shirts bought around four t-shirts for like 6000 i paid 6000 you know those very t-shirts i'm not sure whether those merchandises were really affiliated uh, with uh, you know licensee or were they fake i'm not sure but they these t-shirts you know didn't run for a year you know and i expected that when i'm actually buying at, you know actually from a comic con i mean those merchandises has to be you know coming from a licensee or you know some exclusivity or something so you know now i i'm just thinking that you know i just re, you know regretted uh, you know spending those 6000 and those t-shirts didn't run even for a year you know why should i care for you know spending like you know that much 1500 or 2000 or something for a t-shirt you know when i can get uh, similarly for 700 which also going to be run for a year because now i'm comparing those qualities with the van husen or you know louis or you know gap or something i would expect quality also similar goes for the mugs or also something you know absolutely i mean uh, i i i'm assuming that you are uh... there's i mean it's not a question and you're just uh, yes. you know indicating the observation yeah. so yeah. first of all i don't think that uh, any t-shirt uh, uh, irrespective of what character etc should ever be sold for more than yeah. you know 1000 rupees uh, per pop uh, you know that also if it's a full sleeves and if it has some kind of lycra or something which has a body fit or whatever a normal t-shirt usually is never above 69799 even the best quality 20 color print on top Okay, so I don't know yeah. what you bought at the Comic Con, but you are right. Uh, you know, Comic Cons are again a different entity. Who they give stalls, who they don't give stalls. You know, uh, unfortunately, this is the reality. Yeah, I mean, this is you are kind of resonating something that I mentioned, and uh, you know, uh, you know, there was comments before as well that customers don't need to care about it unless there is a differentiating, uh, you know, reason in the quality and. uh you either make it exclusive so that you can actually hold the person accountable see the fact that you don't even know who you bought it from right that itself is un- exactly. you know an answer exactly. to the question right if yes. you said i bought an apple i bought it from an apple store in mumbai you will probably be only one ek hi jagah pe milega ye right if you are buying a xyz today you don't even know because you are right there are 20 people god knows who's fake who's true who's paying who's not paying this has to come from the top So if if the tables were turned and if I was a controller of an IP, right, things would be run very differently. Of course, from in hindsight, with the learnings of the pain points of both the consumer as well as uh, you know of the licensee. But you know, it is this. I I I do uh, you know empathize uh, with your experience, and you can think about it. What we are facing that when we put good quality products uh, and and we get. compared to a 299 that you have found in palika bazaar and they'll be like boss tumhara to bhi batman hi to chhapa hai right what is the big deal <laughs> you know yeah. and 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 we are like oh you know what that this means that uh, you know this business uh, unfortunately has very poor uh, you know at least longevity uh, as far as your own uh, you know usp like you are buying this product because it's dc or it's you know marvel right you're not buying because planet superheroes and uh, i did want to talk about that although it is it makes a business look bad but this is a founders uh, closed community so i will say that uh, you know be very realistic and honest about your own businesses usp uh, you know after 7 years i think uh, our usp is not strong and that is the truth and uh, the point is that you you invest 6 years building even if you if you are making one footwear product if you are making an underwear product make you know spend 6 years to make it your brand 
taki every mm. customer that has ever bought that product na is yours nobody mm. can take that away no dc can take it away no disney can take it away that is your product right and mm. nobody else can challenge it and i think that has been my biggest learning uh, if if i look at look back at this journey uh, don't regret the journey at all uh, and it continues but uh, i think i think what you are saying uh, and what lot of other people have said is the same thing the customer doesn't care the licensee is not really making a crazy margin uh, the only person who's making is the content owner and if the content owner is not careful about the longevity of the brand and the and the ecosystem partners the business is going to be short lived right everybody is going to just do fix and then of course we don't have a good ecosystem of law either ki you know by if not by by choice of the customer even by uh, by the hand of law you are able to stop anyone wo bhi nahi ho raha aur wo hoga bhi nahi at least for another i don't know how many years so yes it's a uh, it's the truth and i i acknowledge it and accept it even as a participant of that ecosystem. yeah but the, you know the thing is that you know today itself i just got to know about the planet superheroes you know the thing is that in us i think there is a different culture over there because you know uh, when there are exclusivities or you know you have a licensee they used to promote that you know you should buy us from them uh, you know us so you know this is you know sort of something that i have never seen in you know india like it has you, know, a lot you should to buy do, from us. it has a lot to do with the culture as well as the legal ecosystem yaar if the laws are not strong enough to punish the ones who copy then people yeah. will make fakes yeah and us us ecosystem is very very different what do you think janil absolutely agree yaar you know in us uh, by putting a, you send somebody a legal notice right uh, you know matlab it is it is a very big deal yaar for us matlab chodo aap dusre country us mein to is another extreme end but you know law is taken and intellectual property is taken really so seriously you know you guys are talking about licenses boss let me tell you one more thing i mean i know we are out of time but i have to share this with you guys we have got pl players we didn't even cover that topic of operations mm. about the fuck up of receivables in this country okay mm. boss there are people who bounce checks mm. without blinking an eyelid when mm. you come down to doing dhanda with banyas okay when i say banyas i'm sorry i don't mean any kind of community uh, sect mm. okay i'm talking about uh, i call we call ourselves also banyas right in terms of people who are actually doing trading because mm. they are so freaking sharp okay and unfortunately the sharp ones who are ethical are the ones you want to do business with the ones who are sharp and are 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 not ethical are the ones who can really kill you now let me give you an example <clears throat> we have got players distributors who mm. take your stock mm. who sell your stock who mm. sit on your money on uh, you know with it and will still not pay you money despite them having signed contracts as well as giving you a deposit check right they have not given a deposit like a security check abhi aap socho we are talking about licenses and going out and promoting you tell me that how is it that somebody who's given your security check which by the way according to indian laws if you if you deposit that check and if it bounces that actually a criminal offense do you know they're not even worried about that so i want to tell you that we are in a when you are operationally on the ground and some of you guys who deal with smes and especially who deal with giving credit you know not your typical saas mm. credit card swipe auto payment subscription kind of a business right when you are dealing with indian smes or if you are dealing with creditors in general right 
you have you are going to have so many issues in terms of receivables that at some point you'll be like boss if i'm going to make 8% and 9% net margin and if i don't even know that one bad guy can wipe out uh, you know 5x of that what of the business i've done for the whole year is it even worth and you know we have we have unfortunately uh, not had this not only with indian uh, distributors but even with the canadian company we had actually exported mm. 60 lakhs worth of stock and you know mm. what we fell for it we basically used to work on advance we did one order they gave us an advance and they so slyly placed three orders before the first order was shipped out now mm. see we understand what is happening say somebody placed a 20000 uh, or dollar order white label they gave you money in the bank so you think are wow what great business they gave money advance 60 days is required to basically ship out the product or 30 days whatever it was while we are shipping out the product they place an order of two more things which is like of 2x that amount now because i have not shipped out because i have not shipped out the first order for which they have given an advance i would find it very you know it is very difficult for us to justify an advance on the second order also so this time we let it go on credit but we shipped out all three together assuming that this is a good party this is a canadian company yaar they 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 have their laws 60 lakhs was the cost to a startup now you tell me how and it didn't end at 60 lakhs boss till date we have to justify to rbi RBI mm. is like tumhara sales hua paisa kidhar aaya I'm like mm. guys this company is bankrupt they by the way they did go to into bankruptcy they owned the market uh, almost 2 and a half million dollars we mm. got a letter from the trustee where we obviously got no money but you know this is the fuck up of it ordering ops in india boss we not only lost our money we we, we did not get our receivables but we had to be hounded by RBI for every every year of a business saying kidhar gaya tumhara export order I'm like guys, boss. They are bankrupt. A company. What are they? We have sent money. You know, but we didn't get the money. This is the trustee's letter. It's bankrupt. Okay, it is mm-hmm. liquidated. So, I mean, we know we can have another session if I start talking <laughs> about seven years of these kind of things. I w- <laughs> we had we we had a guy who landed up at our office who was uh, uh who was sexually convicted. and it did not we 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 had hired that guy via head hunter you know we were talking about the topic of advisors mm-hmm. we had a head hunter who basically had recruited us uh, recruited the guy who was doing a toy distribution and uh, first day he came and he he actually did something stupid he created a fake uh, relieving letter and somehow i got the sense that this guy is a fake guy so i checked i did a ref check and i found out that this guy was in jail for the last 3 months because he was i had a sexual misconduct with a former employee you imagine uh, what would have happened in we are like a team of we were a team of 40 which are like which has like 22 females okay we are very proud of that we actually have more women in our company than men okay and i got a shock i'm like we as a small company recruited a guy via head hunter who was for the last 3 months in jail and then when i when i spoke to that head hunter i'm saying what the hell were you guys doing you know what they told us they like our job is not to do ref check ref are not to do criminal check uske liye dusri agency hai uske liye aapko usko paisa dena hai they told us point blank of course after i have never worked with those people again in my life but the point is if we talk about operational uh, you know fuck ups unfortunately this 40 uh, one hour and one and a half hours not going to be enough so i'll 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 let the questions come you know there are, there are a lot more entertainment entertaining stories as well definitely <laughs> <laughs> ayush go on yeah definitely take another session definitely take another session uh,
नहीं देर आर सो मेनी क्वेश्चन विच आर स्टिल पेंडिंग बाय द वे एंड वी आर ऑलरेडी वर्ण हाफ आ विल टेक वन मोर क्वेश्चन एंड देन आई हैव वन मोर विल क्लोज आयुष और अभिषेक इधर वन ऑफ अभिषेक यू ऑलरेडी टेक इन चांस you software so i just want to understand the pricing like what kind of pricing was there like even i know the indian players right uh, they kind of uh, their pricing might be different uh, so does the other players from us or maybe other companies right they also have a different pricing for whatever like omni channel optimization software that they were selling to you so like what kind of experience do you have with those see i think i think i think that uh, you know sometimes uh, it is true that uh, you know when you give peanuts you get monkeys uh, you mm-hmm. know uh, i think uh, i think that is a, you know it is not good to be penny wise pound foolish in terms of service providers i we have also learned it the hard way but to answer your question specifically uh, at least in the domain that uh, i was talking about and the experiences i shared right it was it that solution had to come from india because you know gst was is not even like 4 years old right i mean it's i think mm-hmm. what i correct me if i'm wrong it's hardly 4 years old right and yeah. all this is coming in uh, especially with omni channel operations with the, integ- the with the uh, you know my integration of offline and online uh, you know there are lot of you know actual tds and gs taxation kind of integrations which indian players were the ones who were able to actually solve for because they understand the system right uh, so okay. it it even even for somebody like an oracle uh, you know to come back with uh, you know even pure simple warehouse management system they came up with a lean startup version uh, you know only 2 years ago which was fully gst compliant so the the point is that there were no comparables for at least the whole integrating with flipkart integrating with amazon integrating with mintra all this was actually coming from indian players and uh, you know of course they have also learned and evolved over time but uh, the pricing i mean if you ask me the pricing i don't have i don't recall uh, you know uh, upfront but you know it was it was always on a, a pricing per order module so it was like 4 rupees per order 3 rupees per order and then if you had any customizations of course they would charge you on a time and uh, labor uh, pers- hope that answers okay yeah no I, my question was basically because uh, i am my current employer right it's a saas based company which is all into supply chains and all these optimizations front i mean i know like how do we take that into the market and how many clients we have in india uh, just for the sake of pricing right Correct. Yeah. No, and of course, you know, supply chain is so broad. Uh, it really depends mm. on what part of the value chain you are also attacking, right? Like, just yes. warehouse management is a completely own unique system. Just having mm. a boss which does, uh, you know, all the functionalities at a retail storefront is the different thing. Just merchandising or your ability to do auto ordering or you know uh, track uh, inventory levels and be control towers. Yeah, maybe. exactly right so each one has uh, you know has a different niche and what we learned if i can take a takeaway was that one service provider that was good at one thing now was failing in something else so the guy who was doing a great job at basically syncing up your inventory to all the marketplaces had no clue how to run uh, the same thing at a storefront you know which is your post so for a company like ours which was online which was offline which had its own website which was you know 
technologically advanced in terms of all the APIs. We needed the support system of service providers who were also at that level of uh, tech to be able to deploy quickly. And unfortunately, we did not get that support. Right. So we had to yeah. even till date, by the way, we deal with three different service providers, each one who's, uh, you know, uh, very, who's pretty good at their own domain. And we created what I said, mentioned earlier, the central brain, which did the processing and, you know, helped uh, one system talk to the other. Because the moment you tell two people to integrate, uh, they will say, Acha, yek bolega mere ko, you know, I want yeah. this, the other guy will say, I want that. It goes into a back and forth of like six months and then effectively nothing gets done. So, you know, that, that was a call that we took uh, that based on our system, we will build the brain, the central brain in-house. So, so you, you have totally pinpointed the right pain, right? Like this is, this is a pain in US as well. A lot of companies are trying to drag this up. And I think, yeah, right. this, that has to be. Thank you, thank you, thanks. Okay, cool. So Janil, I was basically going to touch upon the whole government policy angle because I guess you know since you people have been have grown and have kind of scaled up into being a kind of a mainstream brand um, any any effect on business or any kind of fuck-ups that you have seen coming from because the regulation suddenly changed or something else in the ecosystem changed and then you had to completely you know go back to the drawing board and, and start something starts to start start from scratch anything like that has happened or any anything to look out for especially when you're operating in technically any industry anything that you you need to look out for sure. when it comes to these kind of things absolutely yeah great question and uh all you guys hear this very very carefully because i want to tell you something which is going to impact all of you unless you are of course uh, exporting stuff abroad right so there are two major things okay one is that impacts all of us and the second thing is that impacted only us so first, let me talk about the thing that only impacted us, uh, okay? But it impacted us in a very bad manner, right? Uh, in the budget of 2018, uh, right? Uh, it basically, so no, 2019, yeah, last year, last to last year, the government, because of its, uh, you know, uh, because of the uh, India-China standoff, right? Uh, did this blanket, you know, rhetoric against Chinese products, right? And uh, the first the first line of attack they felt was let's attack the thing that, you know, people are going to be not going to bother or talking talk about too much. And they attacked the toy industry. Now, what they said was that they they have, you know, not too many people know, but over the last five years, the custom duty on toys, imported toys has had an inflation higher than tobacco. I mean, we all know, right, that cigarettes get, uh, you know, every every budget, uh, people keep increasing the cost of cigarettes, right? I mean, there was a time when it used to mm. be at four rupees per stick and now it is like 20 bucks, right? Uh, yeah. So I think I think we've all seen that, uh, you know, escalation and it's kind of like everybody's okay with it. It's a, you know, it's, it's called a syntax, right? Toys, man, toys in the custom duty on toys has seen a 500%, 500% escalation over three years. Now, that's one thing. The one thing is that about giving increasing in customs, okay, uh, which, by the way, impacts all of us because the ecosystem of manufacturing quality plastics, I'm not even mm. going to talk, talk about toys. I'm talking about quality plastics, which are require molding does not exist in India at this point. Okay, it may exist now over the next two, three, four, five years as the as as players like us will try and figure out ways to make it in India or I don't know what will happen. But till date, it did not exist in India. 
so what is good what the government did by increasing customs duty is that it basically made every retail pricing of the final product much higher because obviously if i'm a trader and if i'm going to import it at x i will have to bake in the margins of my retailers mm. distributors and effectively arrive at my mrp correct mm. now with the increase in customs duty one may say chalo that's a business call the government is right for its policies and mm. you figure out if you want to do business and we did figure out we said you know we will go directly to consumer we will remove the middleman and therefore try to keep the mrp low even if the input 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 cost was increasing but mm. what the government did which really impacted not just us but the entire toy industry in india is in december in december 220 uh, 2020 right uh, they passed this uh, you know sorry this, uh, in december to, uh, in february 2019 they passed this absolutely absurd law which they said it was part of the bureau of indian standards which said that every product okay every product that is made okay abroad will need to get validated by a bis which is bureau of indian standards certificate mm. he said okay no problem what do you mean kya karna padega bis ke liye that is when they gave they dropped the bomb they were like the bis can happen only if the factory is certified uh, under the government of india and to certify the factory and the government of india you are supposed to fly a government employee to a factory in china okay and basically have him certified at a product level so they expect that for every product that is made in china us uk korea at at uh, we somebody like us will basically fly a government employee for them to get a sanction of a bis okay and for each product aisa nahi ki it is a one time thing it will happen every time so you know how practically <laughs> impossible that is and how stupid that is right i mean it is not even a logical answer right so what happened basically till date from uh, and this was implemented and uh, in, enforced in september 2020 uh, you know it was it was passed in february saying that september 2020 ke baad it will shut and then what happened is in september 2020 people everybody stopped importing and suddenly what happened was that the government had neither given a license for domestic manufacturing nor mm. did they allow imports so there was literally a time there was literally a time from september uh, you know for 20 days where technically according to the government of india no product either imported or made in india was legal <laughs> You know, that was the funniest thing okay and we had representations with them uh, and they understood how stupid they were and then they extended this clause till december 2020 now what happened is everybody imported everything in december 20 till 2020 including people like us and now from january 1st 2021 till date not a single import of toy has come into india so what you and i and if you have young kids god bless you you are going to find a massive supply constraint in november when this current bunch of inventory starts depleting chai hamleys ho chai amazon ho chai kuch bhi ho you are not going to get toys of a certain quality you are going to get only the thing which perhaps can be made in india whose quality till now is at this point is is not even out at 10% having said mm. that including people like us are actually getting and working with local manufacturers uh, and trying to invest into uh, you know getting some kind of ecosystem running so i'm i'm okay with the government's mindset in the long term in terms of trying to push the make in india program but the knee jerk reaction which was done they killed the entire uh, toy import industry the toy industry in general uh, including retailers who will not have products to put on shelf and you will as a consumer will end up paying much higher or you will have to depend 
depend on going abroad and picking it up uh, by outside the last quarter of this year so keep keep that you will you will see this in the news as well when this actually starts having an impact right now people have stock and because of covid there is anyways anyways not been sales in retail right but mm. that was a industry a policy which impacted us and sorry for taking longer it was little close to me because it really killed 33% of our business <laughs> you know massive government fuck up but now i'm going to tell you something that impacts all of you and we'll have that as the closing statement right mm. is gst right i love gst you know somebody that is a consulting or all of us who kind of a financially savvy understand mm. the importance of gst you know because it mm. took us out from the the era of octroi and vat and service tax all that right mm. but there is one thing which many people have not realized mm. about gst mm. is that it is a massive massive cash flow sucker now let me mm. explain to you why any startup any startup by definition that is making losses right mm. is technically building gst credit mm. now think about it little casually right your expenses are more than your revenue that is why you have losses right and let's assume that the expenses are not coming in mainly from staff that is not from people because for people salary you don't pay gst but let's assume it is a trading business or let us assume it is some kind of any other business where the input at your expenses you need to pay gst what is happening is that the government effectively every loss that you are making right you are accumulating gst credits which technically are an asset because you are technically are going to be able to use it but what is happening is from a cash flow perspective it is just sitting and piling up with the government because irrespective of your of your of your operations you are going to always pay gst whether it's 18% or 12% or whatever on your expenses until mm. your expenses are more than your revenue you are going to have gst credits i don't know if people on this group have operations of that point where you know they are actually facing that but if you are a uh, you know in, in in a startup in the investment phase where you are losing money and if you are of course if you are not a saas company because saas your most of your expense will be employees so it may not be relevant but for businesses like us right where there is a there is a constant buying happening there is a constant raw material there is a constant licensing fees there is a constant marketing fees we pay gst on each and every element this mm. money is basically sitting as gst credits with the government which means that people will not realize people did not realize this for the first two years of gst implementation because you know it was not a big enough number now suddenly gst credits people have started up and realizing when their accountants and tell them in their ledger books was we are sitting on a crore of gst credits and you'll be like what the bloody hell i'm sitting mm. on one crore that is technically mine but i cannot really use it till i am able to generate the kind of revenue to be able to offset the gst credit are you mm. guys getting what i'm saying now mm. this policy i'm not saying it's wrong and i i i i am i, I am a supporter of gst uh, you know but i think lot of people have not realized this that this impact of this particular time frame where we have multi tiered gst uh, you know one which is at extreme of 18% on the other extreme some some are also at like 0% right which is some of the essentials or even apparel which is at 6% right you will find that a lot of our money is getting blocked and there is no freaking way to get that compensation back from the government and by the way that should we should have been it is not like we are getting a offset in terms of the gst for new businesses 
for example if i have 1 crore of gst credit why can i not use it when i'm paying the uh, my, my service provider 18% gst why do i have to still park cash with him why cannot i not use that credits are you getting what i'm saying we have 1 crore of if I, if i have 1 crore of credits and if i import a product why am i still paying input gst on that when i have got 1 1 crore of credit because of the policies where of the government where they have ensured that what gst you have already invested is already gone but for every i mean it is it is going to sit as credit you want to use it you use it in the future but till now you cannot use it for future expenses i think this will need to change and somehow at some point when this number is going to blow up as an ecosystem at the sme level when it's going to become large enough people are going to take a look at it and say oh, guys what the hell is happening the government has simply created as a beautiful cash flow you know <laughs> pile of money okay which is technically not theirs it is technically an asset which we have paid for but it's sitting on a books and we'll never be able to utilize it till we are in the positive and by the way if your company goes down and you wind up your company that gst is gone forever right so that is a mm-hmm. loss and straight of revenue to the government mm-hmm. so that i think is is you know I mean, from a big policy mm. perspective, I think will definitely require a little bit of uh, introspection. But I guess it will mm. be time when uh, experts in the industry will kind of be able to opine, especially as we go towards a Singapore type of structure where we are at a single rate GST, when this mm. kind of disparity will reduce significantly. Mm. 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 No, no, absolutely, Janil. This is a valid point, and I think this affects each one of us who's who's starting a business or who is already has a, who already has a business. So, good point. I think a lot of sensitive nerves were touched in this co- in this conversation, Janil. Uh, th- <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for sharing all of this. Yeah, I I don't. I think we should close it off now. It's twelve thirty. uh and and thanks a lot guys for sticking by here for 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 so long that was the episode hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this if you like the episode do share it with your friends and rate us on spotify google store and itunes If you want to join the Water Cooler podcast live, join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me. Until next time, upwards and onwards.